little did he know, right? He, he started to like influence me in a positive way, but also he started introducing me to like very successful people, people that own huge companies and make tons of money and live in houses that I never, you see on movies, right? Yeah. And I met these people and I'm like, you're, you're no, no different than me. What? No, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if, if these guys can do it, like I can do it. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not gonna be 100% in, I'm not gonna do it. Come on, man, just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Mr. Devine, <laughs> cheers. D-Dine. D-Dine. Yeah. D-Dine. You gotta edit it already. <laughs> no, we're not editing it. No edits, dude, I told you. All right. We stick to it. Um, you forgot your water, so you can't cheers me. You I got, got it? it right here. There you go. I brought it. Cheers. No alcohol for you 30 days? Uh, 33, yeah, no alcohol for the month of August. I like and then it. Into, a little into September. That's good. That's discipline. Yeah. You show good discipline. It's important when it comes to business. For sure. We're going to get into a little bit of that. So a little bit of homework for your viewers who may see this. Um, this show all started with an idea of me wanting to mentor or give back to other people who were like me or in a certain situation when I was 18, 19, 20, thinking about going into a career. Sure. Very little education at the time, um, rough around the edges, didn't have polished speech. I still don't to this day. Yeah. Uh, I can't even pronounce your last name. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I didn't really know your last name until like two weeks ago. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and... I was always reaching for other people to help, and, and people did help me. I don't, I don't want to ever say that no one helped me, Sure, but uh, there wasn't a ton. And I always said once I made a couple bucks, I would turn around and help some people up the ladder. So we started this local mentorship. Evan had another idea to say, hey, talk to your friends and your clients around the fire pit or others in the area and try to inspire some people who are in a similar situation to you or any situation. And now it's really widened our scope. To, sure. to all walks of life who want to do better. Yeah, right. Um, and meeting with you and talking to you about your story and then running into you by chance at a golf outing and yeah. learning a little bit more about you, getting to know your personality more. Uh, I said this guy is, is a good guy to have on the fireside. Yeah, so thanks. thank you for, for coming on, and I'm excited to walk through your story. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I, I've watched a bunch of your episodes, so this is cool, and I, I like... Uh, getting a chance to talk more about, you know, my company and what we're doing and all that kind of stuff. So I like that you're supporting the local businesses. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. You're going to motivate someone that, you know, whatever you share in your story tonight, there may be somebody who's walking through that same path right now. Right. And they see where you're at in your life and the beautiful home you have and family and um, success, flexibility, financial sure. freedom, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, you may change their lives. Cool. So I thank so. you for sharing it. Yeah, man. So... Grew up in Bayville, Berkeley Township. Yep. Um, you were a uh, young guy. Mother wasn't around a ton from what age? Yeah, pro she, my mother started drinking probably like late middle school, early high school. It got real serious like in the middle of high school. Um, and then she ended up leaving all, pretty much full time towards the end of high school. So that was that was in high school though. So earlier age, your, your yeah, mother Yeah, she was, was around a lot. And I have a younger brother and sister. My brother's gotta be, my sister's I think three years younger than me or so. My brother's six years younger than me. They're both really successful. My sister's a teacher now, married, uh, has her first son, Marshall. My brother is uh, a police officer in Berkeley Township, Bayville. So they, they both did it. But when I was, let's call me 16 when she left, 
So that puts my sister at 13, like right when you really need yeah, your tough. mom. My brother was nine, 10, right? So uh, more challenging for you them. You need your but, mom at 16 too, man. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're right, you do. But I felt more like responsibility for them. I felt bad for my dad, right? Like he had been, the, I remember one time he said to me, I caught him like kind of upset one night and he was just like, I guess I didn't know because I was mad at her, right? So like it didn't upset me, I was just mad. Yeah. And uh, he was like, you know, I've, I've known your mother longer than you've been alive. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like, it, that wasn't in his cards. He didn't plan on like this going that way. Puts it into focus for you, you know? Yeah, for sure. So you're in high school. Were you wrestling a lot at the time? Yeah, I started wrestling when I was four. I started playing football at like seven. Um, so you, you said something earlier, like, hey, like I don't want to say I didn't have any help, but I didn't have a lot of help. Mm -hmm. I had a ton of help. I, my uh, father was really important during those couple of years, and still is, I'm really tight with him. Uh, my wrestling coach at the time, Mike Bischoff, was like, he stepped up huge. He had two kids of his own, he had a wife, he had his job, and like, I wasn't really that good like early in high school, and like he just went out of his way to make sure like I was okay, and like got me out of trouble a couple of times when I was just being a knucklehead, nothing serious, but just being a kid. Yeah, guiding you. Yeah, he was awesome. He, I, I've, I've been lucky that I've had a lot of, at every time I needed someone, somebody would appear. It was stepped you know, up. Yeah, my dad at first, and Bischoff, and you know my father-in-law, and, and my friend Lenny. Now, you know, a bunch of people. I think for me. Uh, thinking about you telling your story now, I think I was just so chippy and I was so angry, yeah. young, that it, it turned off anybody to want to help me. Sure. Uh, so that's good that you were able to uh, attract those people and push you through those times. Yeah. But I want to go back to the high school and the wrestling. Yeah. So y your mother is struggling with, with alcohol. Yep. She leaves. Your 16-year-old have some younger siblings that you're, you're helping with. I'm sure your father was working full-time. Yep. Was wrestling an outlet for you? Yeah, I, I, we had a really good group of friends. So like as much as wrestling was an outlet, all my best friends wrestled. So like- It was fun. Yeah, we hung out in the summer. We, we'd go to the beach or we'd go wherever and then you'd go on the boat and then we'd come back, we have wrestling practice at nighttime. Mm -hmm. And then you'd roll that right into football season in the fall, right into wrestling in the winter. You'd continue wrestling through the spring and the summer. So like all my best friends played sports and so we had a really good like good group of friends. The wrestling coach was also an assistant so football maybe coach. And, a, and, a, and friends wrestling, it was a distraction. For sure. Know, for what was going on in your yeah. world. And fast forward, you go to play football at Montclair, yep. correct? Yep. I went there to wrestle first, and then they dropped the wrestling team when I was already in the school like August 1st. Mm -hmm. um, and That sucks. Yeah. So the coach called me, and they dropped the wrestling team. And I was already in school, right? High school was over. And so uh, I called the college football coach. I got his number off the website. He was in his office. He's still there now. He's been there like 35 years. And got him on the phone. And I was like, hey, I'm in the school. I was going to wrestle. I dropped the team. I played football. And he's like, I'm really sorry, man. But like, we go to camp on Friday. Like, whatever, Monday. It was Friday. We go to camp on Monday. And I was like, you know, I really want to play. He's like, if somebody drops out, we'll call you. So I was, whatever, 18, I got in my car, I drove to Montclair, a uh, two hour drive from Bayville, knocked on his door, he was still there, and I was like, hey Coach G, this is Sean, uh, you know, I just called you two hours ago, I wanna play football. He's like, I'm really sorry you drove all this way, man, but like, we're, we're full. I was like, I just drove two hours, can you please just, I'm a good long snapper, can you watch me long snap? So I guess to like appease me, he watched me go out in the field and long snap, sent one of like the trainers out there, 
and uh, I snapped the ball like 20 times and he gave me a packet of papers and I went to football camp. What was in you at that age to say, all right, I'm gonna drive out here and essentially assume the sale? Yeah. You're going out there and saying, if I show up at this dude's doorstep and I'm knocking on his door asking for an opportunity, after he knows the college just you know, sure. got rid of what I came here for, what in you at 18 thought that that would succeed or was it ignorance? Probably ignorance. I was like, I'm playing a sport. That it was just like it wasn't. I didn't. Even, I don't even think I ever went in my head and was like, oh well, I guess I'm not going to play a sport now. I was like, all right, cool. I'll just play football. Like I was just. That was what was next. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. But it's funny because no one told me to do that. Like I, my father didn't tell me to do it. My coach didn't say, get in your car, drive up there right now, knock on this guy's door who's been there 25 years, and tell him you're going to play football. Um, I just. I guess from growing up, like I had, to, I had to go get what I wanted, right? My mom wasn't around, my dad was working two jobs. He worked at UPS from two in the morning till 6.30 in the morning, and then he painted all day. So would just, you say, is it just a, just a hunger to, to win and succeed? Yeah, I, had to, I just had to convince this guy that I was playing football. I knew I would get jammed up if I didn't play a sport. Yeah. If I didn't have something like kind of to do. So it was like, it was almost guardrails for you. Yeah. I would say so. To not get in trouble or yeah, just go down be, a bad path. Just be, you know, just be bored. Just have, you know, I think one of the things that, like, when I look at my own kids, uh, I think free time for kids is bad. Yeah, I agree. I think they should be doing stuff. They should be out, you know, playing with their friends. They should be playing sports. They should be doing stuff that's going to make them fit. Ride a bike, swim, run, walk, you know, play with the dog, whatever. But, like, I don't know. So I guess I just needed something to fill my time. Yeah. That's just cool. You know, at 18 years old, I, I was similar. I, you know, I yeah. had nothing going on. I was kicked out of high school, and I went and asked for a sales position inside this company. Huh. So I, I get it, but I, like, needed it. I had, I had no money. I was, yeah. I was leaving my house, so I needed to make something happen. Sure. But there's uh, not many people that act that way. You know, it seems like there's a lot of them due to social media nowadays, <laughs> and obviously all these stars are out there, like the yeah, Kobe's right. and the LeBron's and, sure. and the Dak Prescott's of the world. But... It, it's it's rare. You know, look around your town. No, it's, you know, I have a bunch of buddies now that obviously have, you know, sisters and friends. And and we hear, like, the complaints. Like, what am I supposed to do now? This fell through. Or I didn't get into this school. Or whatever the case is. It's like, go, f- just go figure it out. What's next? Like, yeah, take action. Yeah, take, definitely. I think that's a, uh, a big thing that's held true. In my, like, just be responsible for your own stuff. Like, take action on that. Yeah. So. Too many people think things are going to be handed to them. Yeah, well, they're wrong, right? They're not. So so long story short, you end up going back to Rutgers for a girlfriend as well as you, you wanted to wrestle. Yeah, so so my I met my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, and your wife's name? Molly. Molly. Yeah, Mo- Molly doesn't shout get... Shout out to Molly. Yeah, definitely shout out to Molly. She doesn't get enough credit, really. Um, None of the wives do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, she she's awesome, man. Like... Uh, Early on, like when we got together, it just worked. We were young, she was 17, I was 18. And so like there was early on probably, I've never said this on camera, so I hope she uh, feels the same way, I'm gonna be in trouble. I think early on, there was just never a reason not to be together. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think either one of us set out at 17 or 18, end up at 34, married with kids and where we're at. 
but like over time, like we grew together and, and she was a good uh, level for me because I was, I was similar to you. I was like uptight. I was hot headed. Things weren't going my way. She had a little bit of a different life. Her mom and dad, you know, figured it out and like made some different decisions and you know, they're still together and they're, her father's extremely successful. Her mom was a nurse and was involved in her. So like just a different upbringing. Yeah. And then we met and you know, he got in my life and helped you know, influence a lot of the decisions for me. So, but she was going to Johnson and Wales in Rhode Island and I wanted to wrestle and it was a division three school. They had wrestling, similar story. I called up the coach, I got his cell phone number, called him up and told him I want to come wrestle. And he was like, yeah, man, if you can make the team, like it's division three, like everybody's on the team. So if you know, you want to try, you can try. Got into the school, uh, made the team, started. That's how I met Pete Riley, you know, one of your guests. Um, so that's how I met him. He was the captain of the team at the time. I got, I got to ask this story. Uh, <laughs> so Pete never told me that he punched you in the face he the didn't first time. He didn't punch me, but uh, or he, you guys got into a scrap yeah, of he some sort. Me, he yoked me up. I was, you know, uh, he was a senior captain. I was new on the team. I just like showed up at school. And uh, now, I guess- this is at Rutgers? This is at Johnson & Wales. Johnson & Wales. Yeah. I wanted to- You're doing stuff with Rutgers wrestling now. I, so yeah. So at the end of that year, I actually transferred and wrestled at Rutgers for three years. So, um, and Goodale, who's the coach now, he's the head coach, was then, uh, I was part of that first recruiting class that he had brought in when he got, he got the job, like, beginning of the season before. Um, and I actually had said no to that. Bischoff comes back, Mike Bischoff comes back into play. He kind of introduced me to them, knew them. I had, like, a workout. They offered me a spot on the team, but I had to get into the school. I had good grades, and I said no at first because I was happy with Molly. I did good in wrestling, I was doing good at school. I was happy, my mom was you know, kind of out of the picture at that point, and Molly was like awesome for me, like really leveled me out. And I said no, and then he's like, he basically, with some choice words said, you're gonna call Goodell and tell him you're an idiot and you're gonna go to Rutgers. And best, one of the best decisions I've ever made, for sure, yeah. was wrestling at Rutgers, so. Why do, you, why do you think that, just connections? Everything, I, you know, and, this is, I hope this doesn't come off wrong because division three sports is, is still college sports, it's high level sports. Um, and I had more success on the mat division three than I did division one. But like, I beat a lot of guys in division one and I got to train with the best coaches and the best guys and go to the best tournaments with the best athletes at them. And I realized I could compete at the highest level. It's, there is no higher level than division one wrestling than you know Olympic level wrestling, world level wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a very small, a group of wrestlers that continue wrestling post-college. Um, so I think it just gave me confidence. I met a lot of people. Uh, a lot of the donors were really gracious with me, you know, mentored me. The coaches were great. Um, you know, just the teammates, the camaraderie that I met. Some of those guys are still like, my best friends, you know, mm -hmm. and they a lot of them own businesses and are really successful now. So I think if I never went to Rutgers, like I think all these steps were important Johnson, the coaches at Johnson yeah. and Wales were awesome. I uh, can't say enough about them. Coach Morris has been there like 20 years. He, he, he does, I think they took third and fourth in the country as a team uh, last couple years. And, uh, but all these steps kind of led me to where I'm at. I just realized that division, like at that level, I could compete with the best people, period. And it built you a great foundation for what you're doing today, and, and we'll get into that. Yeah. So you graduate Rutgers. Um, obviously you're done with wrestling. You're not going on to the Olympic level. Yeah. <laughs> you, you decide to go do what? What was right out of the school? I worked at a staffing company. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I grew up, I grew up pretty, uh, with pretty minimal financial means. 
And I just remember every problem growing up was can't go here, can't afford this, can't buy, can't go to the movies, can't buy new cleats, can't buy new shoes, can't go to this tournament it's or a this big club. driving factor. So I was just like, I need a job that's gonna give me money and allow me to make money based on how good I am and how hard I work and not how long I've been an employee. You ever read the book of Power of Broke? No. Yeah. I, 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 I read a lot one. of books, but I never read that one. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, man, when you grow up, you know, not having what others do and, yeah. you know, obviously it's not hard to see, especially nowadays. That's sure. why I feel, you know, bad for even younger kids. There's just so much out there and you're going, wow, I have so little. When I was younger, growing up in Lake Revere, a Bricktown neighborhood, yeah. I thought it was an amazing neighborhood. And, and don't get me wrong, it was. Yeah, sure. But until I started to make a couple dollars and move over to Point Pleasant and work up in Northern Jersey, I, I didn't know any better. Nowadays with social media, everybody knows it, but it is a big driving force to a lot of people who want to find success. Well, it's funny because we talked about Division One wrestling and what that did for my mindset and being able to compete. When I met my wife, and they lived a very different lifestyle than I did, uh, he, my father-in-law didn't like me so much when I was 18 years old, right? And probably rightfully so. Mm -hmm. um, and so he took a different approach that I don't, I don't know if anyone's taken this approach. I probably wouldn't have taken this approach. And when he, because he didn't like me, instead of saying, no, Molly, you can't date him, he brought me everywhere with him. Mm -hmm. They went on vacation. <clears> I he was just watching you. He's Yo, smart. for sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> Control freak. No, definitely. He's like, oh, cool. Yeah, we're going to go on vacation. Sean's yeah. coming. We're going to go to dinner. Sean's coming. We're going to go to the golf yeah. club. Sean's coming. And little did he know, right, he, he started to, like, influence me in a positive way. But also he started introducing me to, like, very successful people, people that own huge companies and make tons of money and live in houses that I never, you see on movies, right? Yeah. And I met these people and I'm like, you're, you're no, no different than me. What? No, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if, if these guys can do it, like I can do it. And yeah. that's, and it's not, that's all you need, man. Yeah. So like it gave me perspective. I was like, oh man, this isn't, un this isn't unachievable. It seemed from Bayville, it seemed worlds away, miles away, like, yeah, worlds, worlds away. away. And uh, when you're in it, you're like, oh, man, like, I can do this. Like, I'm just, I'm as, I'm now, better than How old were you at the time when you're, you're having this relationship? I moved. 18, 19, 20? Nah, so towards the end of college, so like 20, 21, 22, 23. The deal with him was that I had been with Molly now going on four or five years when we graduated college. The deal was that if I had a job when I graduated college, I could live with them in Colts Neck because it would be closer to a lot of the places I was interviewing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got a job out of college and I started like, I started before I even walked at graduation. Mm -hmm. And I lived with them for like 18 months. They let us save up our money, you know, took care of us, like, you know, food in, in the fridge. Yeah, it's a big and, help, man, when you were oh, young. Huge help. Starting out. Huge help. So, so you were working at right? Yeah, we don't say the A word a lot, but yeah. It's a bad word. Bad <laughs> world in your, in your world. Bad word in your world. <laughs> yeah. And you, you start to, pretty quickly find success? Did it take you a couple years? Yeah, so off and on. So I quickly found success in recruiting. I had gotten promoted in like 10 months to sales and sales was hard, right? Now they're, they're a really big company and I just remember getting promoted and what I ended up selling, they sold as a company, but they didn't do the technical side in central New Jersey and they hadn't done it in years. The guy that was my counterpart did a lot more non-technical stuff um, and I took over this territory and it was it was Monmouth, Mercer, Middlesex County, so three counties in New Jersey. And I got I didn't get a business card, I didn't get a list of clients, 
And I'm like, how do I build it? I'm 23 years old. They're like, how do I build a sales territory? They're like, yeah, you Google companies and you know, here's, here's where you find call some them. lists. And <laughs> yeah, and you call them, right? And I was like, I can't, okay. Like I didn't know any better, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so from that, I built, I was forced into building real relationships. A bunch of my peers had gotten promoted around the same time. They were much more successful financially out of the gate. They inherited territories that, you know, people had gotten promoted, fired, quit, whatever. So you were inheriting? Nothing. I, no, I, I'm saying, but other people were inheriting companies oh, yeah. that were currently doing business right. with Aerotech. So, so they, were, they were forced into these transactional relationships because you have an opening, you need it filled, new rep shows up, fill the rec. Yeah. So, and I didn't have any of that. So I built all these relationships, like really from scratch. Like some of my first relationships I ever built, I still talk to them today. I know their kids. I've now been to their house. This. Yeah. Were some of these relationships you tapped into people that you had met through your in-laws? Not early on. I, later on that, that yeah, has come into play. Yeah, later on. Were you on. purposely, and I'm always interested in these things because I, I did this a little bit. Were you purposely distracting from those relationships? When I first started this business, I'm like, everybody around here knows that I got kicked out of school. <laughs> I wasn't the best of students. Yeah. Uh, that didn't make me feel like I didn't have a, a, a high IQ. Sure. I just lacked a little bit of confidence. And again, limiting beliefs. Yeah. I'm in this neighborhood in Bricktown, which is a great neighborhood. Not saying anything about it, but yeah. you go from Lake Avere to Chatham. It's there's different. Yeah, it's just a different world. Sure. Different culture. No, and, I I didn't lean on those relationships because uh, two reasons. I don't love asking my father-in-law for things because he does so many things for me already. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I was ready to lean on his relationships because I wasn't good enough at what I was doing. Smart. So like I wanted and you to- you probably weren't yet. No, I, I, I mean, every year I think I'm good at this and then the next year I'm like, man, I really didn't, I really didn't know. Yeah. So, uh, so th those were the reasons early on. And, uh, and you know, maybe for his side, like, you know, it took a long time to meet some of his relationships. And 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 the nice thing about- A lot of times about, it does. Yeah, but you know what the nice thing about his relationships? He he just makes the introduction. This is Sean, this is whoever. Yeah, he walks away. Yeah. And and I have to I have to stand on my own two feet with what you know what I'm able to do and how I'm able to produce and the, and build that relationship myself. And it either grows because I water it or it doesn't. So going back though. Yeah. So you're building relationships. What relationships were you going after and how are you targeting them for somebody who is new? Dropping them a nugget. I was guessing. Uh, that That's what I was doing at the time. Yeah. Now that I'm much, uh, our company's a little bit more sophisticated, I've been doing this for a while. Um, I'm gonna get into it. I wanna get ahead of the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at that time, I was guessing. I, I, I looked at companies that had, you know. How are you How are you collecting? Were you just going to Google? To, were you, going to Google, going to LinkedIn, going to job posting, seeing who's hiring, mm. seeing who's constantly posting. Uh, I had, you know, core skill sets, architecture, engineering, construction. And you were just reaching out? Calling. Firing out cold calls? Cold, a ton of cold, I don't know, 75 to 100 a day. And then, you know, just There's a reason I'm meetings. asking you this. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lesson in this, because there's so many people nowadays, maybe it's not actual cold calls, but maybe it's cold DMs that yeah. aren't like, hey, do some business with me, or hey, let me recruit you and place you a job tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. Or whatever it is that you're selling or doing, it's okay to be like, hey, check out your profile. Seem like we got some common interest. You like wanted to build some rapport with you. Like, it's okay to do that. Like, no doubt. Like, people nowadays are very afraid to reach out to people cold and build relationships over time. That's how I started. I cold called 100, 150 people a day. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, I think all that's important, right? I, 
I, I will call you, I'll email you. You didn't make me feel bad when you hung up on me. It yep. didn't make me feel bad when you said, no, we use someone else, or no, we don't do this. Nobody, nobody knows staffing unless you happen to be connected to the industry somehow. I didn't know what staffing was until I started working there. I got a job at a staffing firm and I was like, cool, they're gonna give me a salary and I get to earn commission, I'm in. Yeah. So, um, so fast forward, you, yeah. you, you start performing at this job and then quickly you had uh, a team lead or, or managerial type of position, correct? Yeah, I was uh, an account manager, yep. Account manager. And I had some recruiters that reported into me. So you started in this territory, yep. weren't handing anything, built relationships from cold, not knowing anything about staffing, built a team, had your team be somewhat successful within the rankings of Real, the company nationally, really, Yeah, worldwide. really successful in our office and, and in New Jersey for what we were doing and you know, personally successful regionally and nationally from a sales standpoint. How many people were you managing at the time? I was only managing two directly, mm-hmm. uh, maybe three when I ended up leaving, but there was a lot of responsibility that That's those people yeah. had. Yeah, it's, you know, we were doing different trainings. One we're person's on, a lot of responsibility, dude. Yeah, well. They're looking <laughs> at you with hungry eyes like, I gotta pay my rent, Yeah, help me out. It's, um, it's, it's definitely uh, humbling when you're 24 years old trying to manage people and never, you're, everything was figure it out. And I think, you know, back to like the Montclair story when I got in the car and like, I was, I was never worried that I wouldn't figure it out. Yeah, you're just figuring I'm it just, out along the way. Yeah, I'm making mistakes and I'm like, ooh, that didn't work, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that again. Or, you know, when I finally got a relationship that took a lot of time, like a lot of time. Yeah, they were um, beneficial. I'll never forget my, one, of my, one of my first clients that I had hundreds of meetings at that I finally got. And one of my clients now, same guy, who's been promoted there multiple times, very successful. What company, if you're allowed to share? Um, yeah, I don't mind, Torcon. Torcon, yeah. great company. Yeah, great Steve company. Steve Franco, many guys there I, I do some they're, business um, with. They're, I mean, I don't know that there is a better construction management company to work for around the area. I mean, they're incredible. The guy, I've dealt with a lot of their employees that are there, and they're there 25 years, 30 years, 40 there's, years. There's four or five guys that are there 40 years. Yeah. They, they run, they just run an amazing company, period. And and this guy, Sam, who started, brought this uh, BIM service to their company. He's now a vice president. He's been there, I don't know, 12 years. He's worked his way up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been he's been awesome. He's a really great guy, too. He's got a great family, four kids, married, like really a great father, great guy. Um, he asked me to fill a BIM position for him. And probably like you right now, I had no clue what he was talking about. So instead of doing what I saw most salespeople do, which is be an order taker and write it down and go, yeah, BIM, okay, cool. Oh, you need these four bullet points? Great. And then be afraid to say, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I was like, listen, Sam, I gotta be honest. I've had dozens of meetings at your company. I'm dying to work with you guys. I have no clue what you're saying to me right now. If you'll spend 20 minutes teaching me how to, like what this really is, I promise I'll work on it until I fill it. And I did, and he, I and never forget, he ran a WebEx for me and my recruiters. He taught us what BIM was and like how it was used in construction. And then I worked on the job for a month and I got a lot of slack from my boss about staying on a position that long. But I knew if I could fill that job for him, like I would get the ones that I could really sink my teeth into. And we just built a real relationship. I have a question for you. Yeah. So I know my answer. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is a driving factor for a young person. And again, not just staffing. It could be selling any type of product. Yeah. It could be running a retail business, service business, whatever it may be. 
how do you know when you take that extra mile or that extra month or that extra year to stay on a client to win them over? How do you know that long term that's a win? Uh, how do you how do you evaluate yeah, if it's how, a win? How would you how would you evaluate it or how would or you how do I know to stay it on it? Yeah, how do you know to stay on it? You don't, some people I don't think you know to stay on it. Yeah. I, I think you have to you have to know what your target looks like, and if it if it if it you know looks sounds walks acts like your target, you should stay on that until you fully vet that through. And if if you fully vet it through and it takes two years and it's not good for you, then you should you know move on to the next thing with no aggravation that it took two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I don't know that there's a good way to say like how do I know for sure? I mean, listen, if they tell me they use a ton of staffing, I think you did say it though. I think it's it's defining your target market. So I, I I'm running a staffing company. Maybe this job fill and this job fill comes in, and you absolutely want to help that company. You're not yeah. bigger, you're not better, you're a good guy, you're looking to add value. Not as much maybe revenue you're looking for to be profitable. Your target market's over here. So you have a target market. Torcon is a very large construction management company mm-hmm. here right in Monmouth County. Yep. Uh, they do a lot of the hospital builds. They do a lot yeah. of, a lot a lot of, of big healthcare, stuff, a lot of healthcare. Yep. Um, you knew that that was a target for you. And there was a lot of job placement that could be had there at, at, at good salaries. Yeah. And that's super cool about Torcon because they're just as, I feel like, you know, the people I deal with at Torcon are just as happy for the success we're having because like they don't see, a lot of, a lot of companies, if you end up dealing with the wrong person at a company, will see a staffing firm as competition to their internal recruiting or HR department. And I don't want to be like that. I want to be an extension of what they're doing because we're going to represent them in the talent market. Well, they're just mad at you and they look at you as a cost. For sure. They're not looking at you as a value add. Right. And and I think, you know, thankfully, you know, the, the gentleman I deal with at Torcon and uh, What's Sam Sam's and last name? Arabia. Arabia. And, and I'm pretty sure I've been introduced to he's him. an awesome guy and and I, i'd be happy to introduce you he's a great guy and i deal with uh work with joe torsivia jr and mm-hmm. some of the other guys over there the, everybody's been first class and you know because of the way they treat me i i'll work on their positions all day long i do I, things for free add value where you can anywhere we can i i think that that's the relationship that we're looking to gather and i didn't know i was getting that in the beginning right i was just like a young salesperson I'm like they're giving me an opportunity I've Big company, good people. I better, I better take advantage of good. that. So, you built this team. You're doing an excellent job managing two, three people. Yep. And again, to those of you who's never managed anybody, especially in a sales position, especially staffing, I have <laughs> a, a, a slight bit of knowledge and sure. peek into that world. It's it's difficult. For uh, sure. Especially at 24, 25 years old. So... You then get fired. We need to go into the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you had felt that you were fired unfairly, maybe. For sure. And uh, you didn't worry about it. You know, you were upset afterwards. Yep. But you kept your chin in the air when you walked out of the office and said, I'm going to go be successful anyway. From that point to when did you start uh, the Axel Group? Yeah, so I had no ambition of starting my own company. This was forced upon me kind of when I got fired. And right after that, I, a bunch of my clients had found out I got fired and called me and offered to meet with me to work for them. Mm-hmm. So a couple, some of them I still do business with now. And uh, they interviewed me, uh, a local company in Seeger, um, EnviroTactics, was, it's like a 25 person environmental consulting firm. They hired me to be the director of business development there. And I did that for like 20 months after I, I lost uh, I lost my job. So uh, probably like 
towards the end of that time there, I was, you know, um, I was watching the guy run his business. Super nice guy, local guy, super nice guy. Uh, built a, his business over 25 years to $5 million, you know, in revenue, 25 people, trucks, his own He was office. towards the end of his career, didn't care. You saw some new opportunities that you thought you could maybe take advantage of. I felt like, I felt like he set out originally, this, this guy, he's, he's, he's a great guy. I want to make sure that comes across because he's awesome. He, he set out, in it's my okay opinion. It's okay to challenge older people nah, in he, our this world. Guy, yeah, this guy was good, though. He was a really good, he's a good He's a good business owner, and he's a really nice guy. But he set out to do something that There's I'm, a lot of good guys that I challenge in my world that I think differently you would like than, this guy. than they did 30 years. I'm sure I would. Yeah. I still may challenge him like you did. So, so this guy, though, set out to do something different than what I'm setting out to do. I think he set out to start a lifestyle business. And what I mean by that is he wanted to surf in the summer and ski in the winter. And so he's like, no one's gonna let me do that, so I'm gonna start my own company. And 25 years later, he has 25 people, he has a business, and he gets to, he lives the life he wants to live. Everybody's defini definition of success is different. No so doubt. Kudos to that guy. Yeah, he's awesome, that's what I mean. But when watching him do that, I was like, man, I think I could run my own business but I don't want to have a lifestyle business. I want it to be like wrestling. I want it to be a sport. I want to like challenge myself to see what I can accomplish. And like, if it's five people, if it's 30 people, if it's 20,000 people, right? I don't have a, like I have obviously, you know, goals of course, right? But I don't have like a number of people or dollar revenue where I'm like, oh, I did it. I, this is wrestling to me. Like you can always get better. I can get my technique better. I can learn a new move. I can learn from someone new. Someone's you know always inventing a different way to do something. It's the same thing I do with clients. We plan to the maximum. Yeah. If I pick a dollar amount, I want to retire with two hundred grand or you know forty grand. Call it. Someone did that thirty years ago. What the hell is forty grand nowadays? Yeah. Unfortunately, especially with inflation. Right. So you're saying I'm going to plan to the maximum. I can always get better. I can always add more people. 100%. I can always add more managers. Yeah. I want to press. I want to press the ball. So how old were you at that time? 26, 27 years old. When I worked for him, I was 28. So end of that. When did the Axel Group come about? Five years, August 1st. So just just recently uh, was our five year anniversary. So I was 29 years old. Yeah, I was 29 years old when I had just turned 30. No, 29. I was 29 when we started this business. Um, you and a partner. You started off solo. Yeah. So me and a partner. My partner Len. He lives in lives in Belmar. Um, Why didn't Len come on? We should have both of you on. Uh, you should meet Len separately from me. I think he's so him and I. If you when you meet him, we're did I meet him at the golf outing? Uh, you, yes, you did. Yeah, briefly. But we are very similar in some ways, but we're we're very very different in how we look at things and in the things that we bring to the table. And then we're very similar. We've been best friends since we were six years old. Wrestled together growing up. That's good in partnerships. Makes it very hard sometimes too. You know, him and I, man, uh, you know, knock on wood, uh, we have a great relationship, man. I love him. He, he's, uh, so he runs the operational side of our business, the financial, he's a CPA. He worked in private and public accounting, uh, public and private accounting. He was, worked his way up to, you know, just about being the controller of a public company. Um, and he stayed at his job while we were starting the company. Uh, I couldn't, we couldn't afford him. We had a little bit of money. I didn't pay myself for the first seven months. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I tricked two of my buddies to come work with us, paid them, you know, whatever money we had. And he, he worked at nights and weekends. I mean, he put 30 hours a weekend with kids and a wife and a full-time jo demanding job at nights and weekends. So he came with us, um, either good or bad, depending on how you look at this, like five months before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he's, he's awesome, man. We're, we're really good. He's, 
he's similar to Molly in my life where like he's a good yin and yang for me. Where, you know, mm-hmm. he, he levels me out. He has, he sees things in a different perspective than I see. Cause I just, I'm, sometimes I just want to go, right? And he's like, no, we got to look at this a little more strategically. And sometimes I'm looking at it a little more strategically and you know, he wants to just run. So we're good for each other. Yeah, it's good balance again. Yeah. So let me get this straight. So 29 years old, you launch it. How old are you now? 34. 34. So you're five years in. Yep. Walk me through the first two years. Give me give me some revenue numbers. Give me some employee numbers. Sure. Give people a little background of the Axel Group. Sure. Uh, first year was August to January, so short. I think we did like two hundred and twenty thousand dollars in fees, something in that That's range. Great job. Yeah, right right away we had you know we had uh, waited you know twenty months from the time I lost my job till we started this company. So you got rid of the non compete. You're able to go attack the, the non compete. Was yep, it was eighteen months. We didn't work anyway. <laughs> well, either way, we waited it out. So um, and I wasn't ready. Like I said, I didn't set out to do this, so I wasn't ready for that at the time anyway. But neither here nor there so uh we had me and two guys that still work with me my top salesperson now joe meyer and um my director of recruiting connor hogreby so they worked with us they were the first two guys you know and then len at night we hired a couple three two people the next year i think we did i'll say year two we did just over a million dollars in fees uh maybe like just just a hair over same guys same guys, but we added two girls, uh, and the one girl, Deanna Sagaty, uh, I talk about her all the time. She's she's awesome. She was our still with you, still with us, a manager now, makes six figures, young, I was 27, 20. She started with me when she was 23. Uh, she's awesome. I can't say enough good things about her. It's funny because we were even I was her and I were talking today, and she was getting frustrated on a certain situation. I'm like, I'm like, you're frustrated, but like, don't don't let don't like it was like consuming her a little bit, and I'm like, you're capable. Like you're, you're good. You, you have this figured out, you know what to do. And then, you know, she went back out and and finished what we were working on and did great. So, you know, I'm watching her grow from 23 years old, fresh out of college, doesn't know what she wants to do to now 27, working through problems, managing a team of five or six people, you know, at a young age, making six figures, working her tail off. She's one of the first people in last, but she's awesome. Um, she was, she's a, all these people that came at different times were really important to our success. Kind of how it's happened in my life. Like these people show up at the right time for me. So, so uh, year. So let's talk. That. Let's say you had five, six people. Yeah. Today, how many people do you have working for the Axel Group? Yeah, we're just over with our interns. We were 37. Yeah, so we're 37 this summer. That's awesome. The interns left, so we're going to be at 31 people. Total uh, revenues, growth, uh, or percentage? We're, we're, yeah, no, I, I don't know the percentage. We're much, much bigger than that, but. We're we're gonna fall somewhere in like the six to seven million dollar revenue range. Huge, dude! You're 34. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, it's it's um, and 37 people is a a lot of people to. Yeah, it's harder than managing two or three. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. A lot of personalities, a lot of emotions in the room, a lot of problems, a lot of lot of things, a lot of lot of everything, right? Mm -hmm. And then you know you mix in that our whole business is people, right? Our clients are people, and the people we place are people, and. Right, so like lots of, just lots of things. So what I want to dive into yeah. is how we do that, right? So I'm a guy going into staffing, financial services, law firm, accounting, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, I need to get to a level where I'm managing 37 people. Sure. So talk about some of the systems that you have in place 
and some of the mindset that you've instilled in yourself, because I think yourself has to be the extreme ownership. Yeah. That's something I've learned and got better at over the years. I was always so quick to be like, you suck because someone wasn't working as hard as I was. Instead yeah. of being like, this is how you do it, take them with you. Talk about those mindsets as well as the systems you have in place, and then we'll drill down on a couple of them. Yeah, I think, uh, well, for the mindset thing, right, I it's easy to say like, they're not doing what I'm doing. Well, they don't own the company, right? So like they have to work hard and they have to participate and grow and they have to get better and, and all that and be loyal and all these things. But at the end of the day, right, like it's my job as the owner of the company to make sure that they're getting the things they need from us and that they're able to use them and grow. And so, so I, I take a big sense of responsibility of like, if I hire you, I want you to be with me forever. I know that's ideal thinking and that's not going to happen. And, you know, maybe there'll be five or 10 people with us forever. But, you know, I put that in, I, I put a lot of time into it, how we're treating the people and how we're training them. So culture. So culture. Definitely. Mindset, you know, putting off some of your mindset, your partner's mindsets, yeah. your manager's mindset and instilling it into them and your culture. Definitely. And then old school work. I think, I think we get people get too fancy. Like old school work still works. Like still dialing the phone, still sending, listen, use technology, right? We have, we started with no technology. We we're literally writing names on an Excel file and using that as like how we were finding people yeah. the first year. It's um, cheap. Yeah. And Deanna, I'll tell you, she was writing names down on a piece of paper and highlighting them and starring them. Right. Yeah. It's, it sounds funny to start a company that way in 2017, but we didn't have any money. Right. So yeah. like we, we figured you're it bootstrapping out. bootstrapping it. For sure. Um, and, uh, and that's cool. We started this company with our own money. I, I, I think if the people that watch your podcast are business owners or aspire to be business owners or they're in this entrepreneur lifestyle or want to be sales, whatever. Yeah, maybe. right. Um, we started this company with our own money. We didn't take. We don't have debt. We didn't take loans. We don't rely on other cash to do the things we're doing. So you know, five years later, and, and the revenue we have, and the payroll we have, and the people, and all the stuff we do, like I, I take a lot of pride in that. We've managed yeah. this business that you, way. You take action. So you start with writing down and highlight names to talk about some of the systems. Earlier before we started, you were talking about having the ability kind of like communist China to, to come down and <laughs> take a look at how many dials someone is doing, yep. how long they're on the dials. Yeah. And this isn't something that your staff doesn't know, obviously, because no, you, you have meetings. and We have a board. We have an 86-inch, two 86-inch TVs on the board that updates live every 15 minutes with how many calls you're making, yeah. how many meetings that's you like have. That's like straight boiler room. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it is. It's old school, man. Yeah. And um, that's where Len comes into play, because Len is, Len is a genius. So, mm. um, you know, he's great with technology. I can kind of, I'm not, I'm not that smart, similar to how you've described yourself, right? So I can tell Len in my, you know. You have a different vision. My back ass kind of way He's of what I want. He's and tackling, you're vigilant. And I'm like, hey, I need this. And I could say it in a way that probably nobody else understands me. And then he brings me a product and he's like, we need this software, it's gonna do X, Y, Z. Here's how you use it, here's how you read it. And he, and he creates these things and he, and so, we have every software you could have. We have more softwares than those than my previous staffing company had, and they're fifteen billion dollars, right? They just have the power of enormous amount of people. Yeah, so, numbers game for sure, and and we're getting there, right? Mm -hmm. But I think um, all the softwares we have put us at an advantage. But the thing that makes us different is that we're still very old school in what we're doing. We're, we're dialing the phone, we're talking to you, we're building real relationships, we're pushing for in-person meetings or virtual meetings where we can have the face-to-face. -face. 
And I don't want 10,000 clients. I want real clients. I don't want transactional relationships. I want people that value staffing, that it's a part of their business that's gonna help grow. That relationship's so talk gonna about go. your, your, your target client, just to give you guys a little commercial. Yeah. Who, who's the client you're looking for? Is it is it jobs that are, temp jobs that are constantly changing? Yeah. Is, it, is it bigger it's, no, it's, ticket volume? Yeah, or? great, great question. Uh, we have two sides of our business. We have our uh, architecture, engineering, real estate, and construction business. Uh, and we want everything, right? We want our direct placement, like high level, you know, manager and above fee placements. And we want your project business. We want to place, you know, four, five, six, ten people out on a site working a job for you guys and help you get to the finish line on a project where you're short staffed or people don't want to work hard or whatever, or you need extra hands or different vision. Um, and we want to be strategic, right? Like people are not applying to job postings. Good people are working. They're busy. They have families. They have hobbies. They have kids. They're not out there like surf surfing. They unless don't need they're, to. Unless they're super Especially unhappy. in the recent job market the last few years. No way. So, so we're, we're helping there. And then we have a corporate services side of our business that Len really kind of runs with Deanna and some others, uh, a girl we hired uh, that's been with us for six months. She's off to a fast start. This girl, Stephanie, local, lives local. She's awesome too. Uh, and we have a great team. I'm not gonna go through everybody's name, but you know, Deanna, Stephanie, Maria, a couple others run that corporate services team and that's accounting, finance, marketing, administration, and operations. So that's really allowing us to be a full service for our construction, architecture, engineering clients, and then also bleed into some new industries that you know, is growing our revenue and our footprint. And, you know, we're finding out where we're really good and maybe some areas we want to stay away from and uh, we're, or where we need help. So mm. where do yeah. you want to take this? Uh, in the, you know, in the short term, uh, I made, I say this in all these interviews, right? Like I want people who want to win, like really win though. Not like, yeah, they want to win and like they high five you and then- You want someone who's committed, not interested. No, really, but like, I really want to win, like I get it, like really more than I want anything in the world, and I want them to win. You're gonna lose that bet we made earlier. Ah, well, we'll see. Um, but I want them. More importantly, I want them. I really want them to win because, in order for this to get as big as I have it in my mind, they I can't do it alone. I don't want to do it alone. It wouldn't be fun for me. And like they need to be successful. So, mm. um, where do I want to take it? I want to make sure that like. Everybody that's here today at 30 something people, that when we're 100 and 300 and 3,000, that they're telling a story like this and like, yo man, we started this company, there were six of us, there were 16 of us, there was 26 of us, yeah, I, was number, I was number eight. So what's the number, is, is it 100 million of revs? Is I it a no, billion dollars of revs? I'd be, I'd be lying to your face if I said I knew that answer. Yeah. I think that- Wherever in, you could take it. I think in the short term, in the next two years, I think we can get I think we can get somewhere between eight and 10 million in the short term in like the next 24 months in, mm -hmm. in, in revenue. Uh, I think we can get to $10 million in the next 24 months or so. That's great dude. Um, but beyond that, I think we need people, we need people to step up, right? We have a lot of young talent. I'm one of the old, I'm, I'm one of the oldest people in my company. I think your job company. is super challenging with the younger generation having call reluctance, not being that comfortable on the phone. I, 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 I'll be honest, because I'm I'm a direct guy, as yeah. you know, uh, dude. I, I I don't I don't get how you're getting 37 young kids to, to dial the the phone. Seriously, like I've I've experienced a lot of different people. You know, Matt, who I love to death, and he literally helps my day to day business as my ops guy. Um, 
even him, he doesn't love picking up the phone. He's 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 more natural to, and it's not wrong or right, no. but they're more natural to get to email, yeah. DM, or yeah. a text message. I love that, and and we do that too. So my recruiters are responsible for 200 touches a day, emails, text messages, LinkedIn messages, phone calls, 200 a day. That's what we're responsible for. So. Like it's nice if you want to send a lot of LinkedIn messages that day. You have to dial the phone. There's mm-hmm. nothing that I unless I, listen. I'm, I'm never. It's a, it's a longer process to build it digitally than picking up a phone and someone hearing your voice. And no your, doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And and you're busy. And so like you know you don't answer. You, you see a call come in a couple times. You don't ah. answer it, right? But if I send you a text message, you're gonna read it. So like I can get a little bit going then the next time you i call you it's like it's like sales right i call you i call you don't answer i text you you know it's me you're not interested i call you in a month now you know who it is you're more inclined to consider it then all of a sudden you get passed up for a promotion you don't get the raise you're supposed to get something happened in your family life and your company who tells you they care about you doesn't support you the way you need to when you have a family situation similar to what you had a couple weeks ago right if you're at the wrong company they're not letting you take 10 days off to go take care of they, mm-hmm. That's all of your PTO gone because you had a serious family situation and some companies like, oh, you had 15 days, sorry, I used 11. It's like, yeah. really, man? Like, so, you know, I think, I think that just this, the, that, that the 200 touches is just, we're always constantly in front of the customer and the client and what we're trying to push. So you're like, building again relationships. So at the right time, your name's in the back of their head. No doubt. Yeah. So rounding this out, I like to ask a couple questions. I, I like sure. to talk about some other local business owners that you enjoy and look up to for either inspiration or you just shop there and you love it. Um, so I'll give you a, a second to think. Yeah. And also, you know, something you would tell to an inspiring person that's looking to start a business, whether that be a younger person, guy or girl, or that may be someone looking to leave corporate America in a situation like you, I don't know those people. I don't know, but if you were We're selling that word out again, if if, if you were going up the ladder fairly quickly, there's a high probability that somebody above you feared you and, and, and got rid of you. That's, that happens a lot in the corporate structure and anybody who tries to deny it is, is, is lying. Yeah. Um, so what is one thing that you would say to that corporate guy that's looking to get away from that type of setup or the new person looking to be a, a, an entrepreneur? What would you say to them? One thing you would say? I would say make sure you know yourself and, and go feed that. Like if, if, if you're a better number two, three, or four, you're better in a corporate company, go find one that fits your personality and your goals in life and whatever that is. Like get to know yourself. And if you're someone who you know, thinks you can do it yourself and do it better, like, go take that chance. The worst that's going to happen is you're wrong and you go get a job. Yeah, go right? back to the place you were. Yeah, so, you know, I I just think, you know, there's a lot of advice I would give. I think, you know. And not everybody's an entrepreneur or a business owner No, either. and you don't have to be, right? Like, yeah. we couldn't run our business without people like some of the people I mentioned and Connor and of Deanna and, and these other people, right? So, I'm talking about for the person who thinks they're that person. Do they're it. just scared to take the no, leap of don't faith. No, be, don't be scared because there's, you should... You should be more scared of this, right? You're 80 and you're dying and you didn't do it. And you're, you're dying with these regrets. Like I know that sounds so far from now, but like I think about, I think about that uh, a lot. Like I, 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 wanna, I wanna die doing what I wanna do and mm-hmm. like trying to like, hey, you know what? He failed, but 
he 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 tried. Mm-hmm. And like that was part of the reason I took that step to wrestle at Rutgers. I was like, I knew what I could accomplish where well, it was. Trump loses, I had you it. won't be able to do what you want to do. No, well, I just want you to remember that. I think that uh, <laughs> come on, give me a diplomatic answer. Come uh, on. No, I don't have a diplomatic <laughs> I, I would like to see a Republican win. I don't have a diplomatic answer for that. Um, so jumping into two business owners that you want to give a shout out to. Could be in your space, anything, Mammoth, Ocean County, yeah. Jersey. Well, we, we already, I'm not going to talk about We already talked about Torcon. I think there's I think there's a couple I'd like to mention. There's, sure, go ahead. There's two small businesses that, you know, um, that are local. So, so number one, my buddy Mike DeMarco. So I wrestled with him. He owns a company called Motives. Um, now, he's a cool story, man. He, he had uh, a personal training business right out of school wrestling. It was small. He built it up. Like, his first it, gym was his biggest training shed. business? Yeah, it's a training business, but... But it was a, it was a training business and a CrossFit gym, and you know like during COVID he had this like awakening of like there's a gap between um, fitness and healthcare. We're getting snowed yeah, on this ass. That's okay. Where there's a gap between fitness and healthcare that like you know that's not being served, and it's like it's it's like almost preventative. It's like hey, we're gonna work with you, and th- oh your back doesn't work, your back's bad don't run anymore, don't play any sports, don't play with your kids. It's, he's like, he takes a different approach. Uh, he takes a different approach to that. Is that a bird? Yeah, I don't know what that was. It was a, oh, it was a- uh, A bat? A grasshopper. <laughs> he's right there. Um, yeah, we got everything back here. Um, he takes a totally different approach. He, he, wants to, he wants to say, no, we're not, we're not with medicine, we're not with surgery, we're not with no, you can't have a lifestyle. We want to get you living your lifestyle through fitness and prevent these things and and fix these things so it's a different business model that he's rolling out it's it's actually and it's called motives motives life yeah it's starting to it's starting to take off and this guy is the most passionate you know he's matched he's one of those guys that have matched their passion with what they do for a living that's cool um yeah you don't see that a lot so he's awesome so that's that's a business to watch out for give us another one uh my my good buddy owns a uh a barbershop in asbury talking heads barbershop john hawksby Another guy got a crazy story, had a tough upbringing, tough life, got into the barber game a little bit late, worked for a shop, uh, ended up leaving, not sure what he wanted to do, was going to leave barbering all all together. And like six months before I opened my business, he opened up his barber shop and they got six or seven barbers. They have a sick space in Asbury. They're very cool. They cut gray hair. Uh, I, I would rival him against any barber. I think he's he's the best barber there is out there. Good stuff. Um, it's a good shout out for your yeah, boys. For sure, man. And then a couple clients that we work with, man, like I think the one that I get, I get a lot of mentors. Like you said, hey, you have some mentors. Um, the owner of Mid-Atlantic Engineering, they're a civil environmental engineering company. This guy, Bill Parkhill. Um, he owns a 60 or 70, I think they're probably 70 people now, uh, a company that he built with his partner from the ground up. And, and he's like six, seven years ahead of, of us in terms of time in the business, like his own business. Yeah. And he gives me like real usable advice. Like not, not like this philosophy and not, like he gives me like practical advice that I could implement now in my size business that has made a real impact. He's shortening like, your learning curve. For sure. He's, and he's great. And we become good friends with him and his family. He's got five kids, man. He runs a 70-person yeah. company, married to his high school suite. He's a really cool Busy. guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, you can say that again. But he's, he gave me real advice that I could like really use, not this like philosophy, yeah. like, like real practical stuff. Uh, listen, anybody, and, th- and this is what this is about, you know, anybody who's, listen, you can learn from anybody at any level. Yeah, for sure. But people who are trying to come up behind you, if I just did this six months, a year, or two years ago, 
I could shorten your learning curve versus you going through that two-year pain I did. Well, that's ego, right? People don't want to lean on. People don't want to lean on. I did that when on, I was younger. People don't want to lean on other people. I, there's, you know, there's a there's a guy who's starting a staffing firm in Tom's River, and um, I don't I didn't really know him. I actually uh, like in when I played college football one summer, I bounced at the Jersey Shore, and he was like the head bouncer, and. You know, he hit me up. I haven't talked to him since I was 19. I didn't really know him well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he hit me up, man, asked me to lunch, had some questions about, you know, the staffing business and, like, how we scaled. I sat with him for a couple hours. I brought him into our office. I showed him our softwares. I showed him how we were recording things. I, I told him a couple things we're doing it's for funny training. business to go around. Yeah, I, I want to see him be successful, man. Mm -hmm. I hope he passes it along to the next guy. Like, yeah. I, um, That's you know, what people I, did for me in my business once yeah. I finally started listening. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's an ego thing. You don't want to share, you know, there's no secrets. This is this is not a secret. There's, no. there's a, you know. So, so. Uh, some of the most successful people I, I have dealt with throughout my professional career have been um, the best sharers. And again, these people are very busy. Yeah. So you don't get a ton of their times, but they share with a lot of different people, not just me specifically. Sure. Um, and then even, you know, things I read, you know, Five Moves Ahead by Patrick by David, I've, I've quoted his book a few times, I just read it recently. Yeah. He talks about that. You know, Sean Whalen and, and the Lions then talks about that. I can tell you exactly the blueprint. The the percentage of people that are gonna actually again take action on it yeah. and follow through is very, very slim. I think you just hit on a good thing that I would say like if I was talking to someone like know yourself like we were talking about before with some advice. You gotta do the work. Yeah. Like you have we're one, uh, you know. There's every, no shortcut. No, man. Like we're None me, at all. me and my partner Len do the work. We we make the calls. We have the meetings. We develop the people. We put together every desk. We 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 designed our office. We were there every day, making sure it was being built. We Lenny put together every software, everything. Right. We know we run our business. It's a real business. We don't. We're not doing this, you know, to see how it goes. You like, have to. Yeah. But like you're right. Take action on what you're doing. Yeah. I think that's huge. Well, dude, I appreciate your time. I yeah. know you got. Two beautiful kids at home. Yeah. Your wife. Thank yeah. you for coming out. Thank you for sharing your story. The Axel Group. You yeah, can find man. you guys on LinkedIn, Instagram. Go check them out. Yeah. Follow and, us, please. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, when we launch this, we'll tag all your stuff as well. So, thank cool, you for man. your time. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers.